It's time for the car doctor on AM 950 WROL. Got a car question? Call us at 617-770-3030. That's 617-770-3030. Now, here's the car doctor, John Paul, on AM 950 WROL, the spirit of Boston. And good Saturday morning, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Car Doctor Program on AM 950 WROL, the Spirit of Boston. Maybe you're listening on 100.3 FM, or maybe you're listening on the app. You went to the App Store and found WROL Radio on the App Store. You can find it on uh, iTunes and iHeartRadio and a whole bunch of other places. You can find it there. Uh, maybe you're uh, listening online on the stream, WROLradio.com. If you were listening early in the morning, yes, there was some technical difficulties, but Dennis managed to get them all resolved. So uh, hats off to Dennis for doing a great job and getting us back on the air. Thank you, Dennis. And uh, so we, we have a great show planned for today. Uh, it is Memorial Day weekend. It is the busiest Memorial Day weekend in all the time that AAA has been looking at statistics for uh, Memorial Day travel. 43 million people are traveling this Memorial Day weekend, more than 50 miles from home. The majority of them, about 37.5 million, are in their cars. So if you're out this morning driving around and saying, you know, I think I might head up to the mountains in New Hampshire or down to Cape Cod. Expect there to be a little crowd. Uh, expect there to be a little crowd with you at the same time. So a lot of people are going to be traveling. Interestingly, uh, as far as air destinations go, the number one um, travel destination still in the country is Orlando, Florida. People want to go down and see uh, Mickey and Minnie and. Uh, and Universal Studios, that still is a big travel destination for a lot of people. But, of course, Cape Cod and the mountains are still big, too. Well, it is the unofficial start of summer. Unofficial start of summer. Uh, you know, of course, real summer doesn't happen for a while yet. But the unofficial start of summer is Memorial Day. Memorial Day is also the time of year where a lot of people tend to get out their cars and make their cars look good. And some people need a little bit of help with that. And uh, we have with us on the phone Kevin Song. He is the owner of Craft Detailing. Good morning, Kevin, and welcome to the Car Doctor Program. Kevin? Kevin? Yes. Oh, there you are. Ah! We had to push another button, I guess. So uh, tell, uh, us a little bit, tell us a little bit about Craft Detailing. Oh, okay, John. Um, so, Crafty Jelly, um, we kind of do everything from soup to nuts. Uh, you know, basic hand wash all the way up to ceramic coatings and paint protection film, um, you know, vinyl wraps, um, you know, interior, exterior detailing. Uh, I started the company a little more than three years ago. I had another detail shop in Boston, which I sold to an ex-business partner of mine, and um um, that's kind of like, uh, you know, I've been detailing since I was a kid, so it's always mm -hmm. been sort of a hobby of mine. Um, you know, and it started out as kind of a small side business and it's kind of, kind of exploded into, um, you know, a high volume, um, high volume detailing business. Yeah. Now where are you located? Oh, uh, so we're in Dedham, um, over by, off of Washington street, over by the Dedham mall. Okay. 
Yeah. Yeah. And uh, one of the reasons that we kind of got together was you heard something. We were talking about ceramic detailing and, or ceramic coating, and you said yeah. ceramic coating isn't for everyone, and uh, you intrigued me a little bit. And um, what do you mean by that? Okay. Well, I mean, so ceramic coatings are really great at protecting the finishing vehicle from UV damage, from the acidic environment. Um, you know, it, it, it increases scratch resistance slightly, but it's not going to make anything scratch proof. However, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, and I, I saw this because you had written in your blog on, on uh, Boston.com about ceramic coatings and depending on what you're, you know, to get a professional coating, it's not, it's not an inexpensive endeavor. Um, right. You know, you're going to, you're going to be somewhere around a thousand to $2,000. Um, if you're the type of end user who likes to go through a mechanical car wash, it may not be the best. It may not be the best solution for you because mm. um, to get really great results with the ceramic coating, it's all about prep work. So yep. you know, it's we you have to do a full decontamination on the outside, and then you correct the paint where you're removing, you know, light swirls, scratches, and defects in the paint before you apply the coating and then lock everything in. Um, you know, if you're somebody who's going to spend $2,000 on a professional coating, going through the car wash is just going to ruin the finish. The coating will still be on there and you'll still get that protection, but you're scratching everything that was just fixed. Yeah. And, you know, so we always try to talk to the end user, our, our clients, about how they, how they maintain the, their appearance of the vehicle. If they are someone who insists on going through a tunnel wash you know, every three days, once a week, you know, every 10 days, you know, getting a coating may not be for them because, mm. you know, all that's going to happen is they're going to go through it. They're going to do scratches and swirls again, and then they're going to be upset that they just kind of ruined the finish. Yeah, that's, that's a really good point. So really ceramic coating is the ideal thing for somebody who either comes to you every week or so for a hand wash or gets out and does it themselves, right? Correct. So for every customer that we do a coating for, uh, they always come back for a complimentary wash, okay. uh, like 10 days later after the coating is cured for a little bit. And we try to teach them how to hand wash. Um, we are a big pro- proponent of using uh, rinseless wash. Um, it's very environmentally friendly. Uh, it cuts down on water usage. And a lot of places, a lot of towns have water bands where you can't mm. uh, bring out your hose and wash your car in the driveway. Uh, because, you know, there's a water restriction. Um, I know there were plenty of towns last summer, the summer before that. I know we've had a ton of rain this spring, but, you know, I guess we'll see what towns have what restrictions and water bans. Well, tell tell me about the, you said rinseless wash. What's that? So a rinseless wash is, um, so we use a product called called Optimum No Rinse, and it is a polymer I'm going to say it, it is a soap, but it's not a soap. You don't get the, the thick suds that you get by putting soap and car wash soap into a bucket um, mm-hmm. and the foam. Um, no rinse is polymer based. Um, it encapsulates dirt as you go over uh, washing the car. So, you know, you don't necessarily have to pre rinse before you start washing. I definitely recommend it if it's extremely dirty or it's yep. the winter time and it's caked in salt and sand. Yeah. Um, but what you do is you, you dip, uh, we use a sponge, um, 
we get that into the no-rinse solution, and then we go panel by panel, top to bottom, uh, cleaning the car. And then instead of, like, once you do that, like, if you did that with a regular wash, you would go to a rinse where you would rinse all the soap off and then dry. Right. Well, with, with a rinseless solution, you wash, and then you go right to drying without doing any sort of rinse. Um, it doesn't mar the surface. I know a lot of people, like, when I first did it, I, it was like riding a bicycle backwards, you know, because you're always taught two buckets, lots of soap, yep. lots of water. Yep. Um, so when I first did it, I, I thought it was very weird. Um, but it's very safe. Um, it doesn't induce scratching um, or marring. And it's environmentally friendly because you can wash your car with less than three gallons of water. And, um, you know, it looks great after it's done. Huh. And it saves you half the time, too, because you're not lugging out a hose. You're not lugging out all your wash stuff um, and then having to put it back in. So if your wash takes you an hour and a half, you're cutting it down by almost half. Wow. Well, no, that that sounds like a good product. And there is all kinds of products, and there's, you know, a lot of mistakes people make, too. I think one of the first ones that people just sometimes, you know, they decide that it's it's a spring day. I'm going to go out and wash the car. They look around the house, and they go, oh, look, at, there's dish detergent right on the sink. I'll go out and use that. Yes, it does happen. Um, <clears throat> dish soap is great if you're wanting to strip everything off of your car. Um, if you have wax or sealant on there, uh, just by the nature of what dish soap does, it removes oils uh, right. and breaks oils down. So, you know, with wax or, a, you know, a synthetic polymer, it does have some sort of oil in it. And basically you're ripping off, well, you're stripping off any protection that you might have in your paint. Well, let's kind of go through the steps. You know, we, we, we got okay. the car clean. And now we want to make the car look good. And and sometimes we hear we hear polishing, we hear waxing, we hear they're separate, we hear they're the same. What do, what do we do, what do we do with the finish of the car? You know, you the typical person probably hasn't looked at their car since last October or something. That was probably yeah. the last time they they decided to do anything with the car. Um, we have a clean. We either used you know the old fashion way of a couple of buckets with uh, clean water and soapy water, but we yep. have the car clean. We yep. got the dirt off the car. Um, what do we do with the finish now? Well, you definitely want to protect it. Um, it's like going out to the beach with no sunscreen on. Um, mm -hmm. You know, your skin's also sensitive, just like your paint. Um, paint's very soft these days because everything's water-based and non-VOC. Uh, so it's not as durable as it was 20, 30 years ago. Um, so you definitely want to have some sort of protection on there, whether it's a wax like a, a natural wax or a, you know, a polymer wax that doesn't really have any sort of real wax in it, but it's made out of polymers and it, polymer waxes do a great, sealants do a great job of protecting the vehicle. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so for somebody who is in a hurry and is not looking to, you know, um, correct any defects in the paint, I mean, using a spray wax totally works. And you can actually make that part of your drying, uh, your drying process. Um, John, I don't know if you've ever tried to hand wash your car when it's cold out. And uh, when you go to drying, all you're doing is pushing water around because all the metal surfaces are really cold. Yep. Okay. I, uh... So a neat way to fix that is that um, if you have a great spray wax, while the car is wet, you spray it down with the spray wax and then you dry. Um, so you're doing two steps at once. And especially in colder weather, 
it makes the water absorb into the towel, whereas instead of pushing it all the way around all the surfaces, mm-hmm. um, it's actually getting onto the paint and you're absorbing the moisture off of the surface. Um, and it, it saves time. Yeah. Um, and I know everybody likes to save time on a weekend because I think most people like to enjoy themselves instead of actually doing, you know, a chore or, you know, like washing a car. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that may, that makes a lot of sense. And uh, and you're right. People people either like you who started it as a hobby and you really enjoy it, or it's about the same as mowing the lawn. You know, it's just one right. more thing you have to do when you want your car to uh, to look good. And maintaining the finish of the car, I remember years and years ago, uh, we kind of did this as a little bit of an experiment. We took a we took a car that was dirty and kind of worn out looking, took it to a used car dealer, asked them to give us a price on it for a trade-in. Then we took it back and buffed and waxed it and cleaned it and made the tires look good and vacuumed the interior and threw out the fast food boxes that were in it. And it <laughs> was amazing how much more we got offered for the car when it looked clean and presentable. Right, right. Um, you know... A car that looks great is always going to be valued higher, especially on a trade-in. Um, but you know, the other thing too is like, I think I think what the median price, or the average price of a new car right now is like thirty-five, thirty-six thousand dollars. Absolutely, um, it's, not, it's not a trivial amount. I mean, I think I think uh, I think the median uh, wage in in the United States is like sixty grand. So yep. you know, when you factor in that you're paying more than half of your salary to purchase a, a vehicle, you'd want to take care of it. Um, I know some people don't care. It's, it's, it's a tool that gets them from point A to point B, but you know, you're spending a good chunk of money and, you know, at least for me personally, you know, you take care of your equipment, your equipment takes care of you, whether it's, you know, maintenance on appearance or mechanically, um, you know, it's, I don't want to say it's an investment because obviously cars really aren't an investment, but you're paying a lot of money for it for use. Yeah. Yeah. And you might as well have it look good and run well. You're right, and the other thing from you know the the days when I was a when I worked in a shop as a as a mechanic, when someone came in with a car that was well kept and cleaned, psychologically you took better care of it. You you knew that this person cared about their car, and maybe you put a little bit more effort into actually repairing it, and you know maybe even being a little bit more careful with it. So the appearance of the car as it goes into the shop, I think, can make a real difference in the end result. You, you wouldn't think so, but I think psychologically it can. So uh, appearance appearances is really important. You mentioned tunnel washes and automatic car washes uh, a yep. bunch of times. Um, What's your, what's your what's your real view on those? You you think it's think it's something people should use? I always worry about recycled water. I read a report once that said that some car washes actually don't totally filter out the water because they use the dirt in the water almost as a sandblast solution to clean the dirt off another car. Um, I always worry about that. Um, what's your, I, what's your... I don't think I've ever read that, but um, you know my so. Tunnel washes are very convenient. You, you know, you pull off five minutes I went, later. I went, I went through one last. I went through one last night. I got in my wife's car last night, and it was, uh, it was, it's a black car that looked green because it had that much pollen on top of it. And I didn't have time to, didn't didn't have time. It needed gas. There was a touchless car wash behind the gas station. Drove through. Yeah. It looked pretty good when I was done. You know, it could have been better. Yeah. It could have been worse, but uh, it looked pretty good. But what's your thought? All right, so my thoughts are this. Um, I 
I understand why people use tunnel, tunnel washes. It's very convenient. However, for somebody who wants to take care of their vehicle and likes to, you know, wants to preserve the way it looks, tunnel washes where you have physical agitation, whether it's the brushes or the felt strips, all you're doing is putting scratches into your car. Um, right. It's getting it clean, sort of. Um, but the problem is, is that you're going through the recycling water and the filter, they should be filtering the water. Um, and I'm, I'm pretty sure that most mecha- uh, mechanical washers do that. Um, it's just that dirt gets trapped into these ribbons of cloth and then you're basically rubbing dirt onto a dirty surface. Um, so, and then, and then you come out and then you got the guys with the, the bath towels drying the cars off. Um, Bath towels are terrible for drying cars, especially if you want to try to keep your car swirl free. Mm. Um, so, you know, wh- while you're getting it clean, you're damaging the surface of your clear coat. Um, I think the touchless washes are great. Um, they don't touch your car, but they use harsh chemicals to get the dirt off because there's no physical agitation. And, you know, they also have their kind of limitations because when a car is extremely dirty, say in the wintertime, you know, it's snow, they're out there with the salt trucks, uh, and it's caked in salt. Um, it gets most of it off, but there's still a, a film of salt on your car. Um, it, you still kind of need some, something to agitate the dirt off the surface. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, think, I think you're right. You need, you need that little bit of work. If somebody has gone through, you know, they've had their car for a couple of years, and they've taken yeah. the easy way out, they've gone through the tunnel wash, and now the car is starting to look like, I mean, let's face it, those, you know, you, you described them as those ribbons of cloth. They're, they're essentially indoor-outdoor carpet that's beating your car to death kind of thing, it looks Pretty like much. to me. And, yeah. um, you know, and it is going to abrade the surface. It is going to make marks in the surface. Um, at a professional detailing shop like Craft Detailing, can you, guys, can you guys put that paint back in good condition again? So, um, depending on how much, how many swirls and light scratches that are in the surface and how deep they are, um, we we can physically remove them, but that requires like a tiny layer of clear coat to be removed at the top. Um, you know, whether it's a polish or we have to be more aggressive and use a compound vent polish, Mm -hmm. um, we basically flatten out the edges of some of the swirl marks, other ones get removed completely. Um, we don't use any fillers. Um, some places will use fillers to fill in swirls. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, a couple weeks later, once you go through a couple of washes, uh, yeah. the fillers disappear. Right. Um, but we, we, can't, we physically try to remove defects. Um, so, yeah, the, the, the short answer is yes. Um, that, th- those sort of things can be fixed. Yeah. This time of year is also tree sap season and bug season it seems like and and yeah. i was in i was in florida a couple of days ago and they have something called love bugs down there which oh those, just, are, those are awful yeah yeah <laughs> um is there is there is there any is there anything you can do you know you you leave your car parked under a tree for a day and you come out and it's all covered with tree sap or or you've just driven through a bunch of bunch of bugs and you got bug right. splatter all over the windshield and the paint finish um how do you how do you attack that okay so you know, back to ceramic coating. Ceramic coatings, um, that's one of the benefits of a ceramic coating. It protects against bug guts because bug guts are acidic. Yeah. Uh, and the same thing with sap. Um, if you leave sap or bug guts on too long on your paint, it will eat through your clear coat. 
Um, so that's why it's always important to have some sort of physical protection on your paint, whether it's a coating, whether you have spray wax or a piece wax on there, mm-hmm. that's going to help absorb the damage. And it's going to make it easier to clean. Um, you always want to remove sap right away because if you leave it on, it's going to become very hard and very hard to remove. and It's going to damage the paint underneath. Yeah. Uh, easiest way to get rid of t- um, sap, mineral spritz. If you go down to Home Depot or Lowe's or any hardware store, yeah. you know, you can, you can pick it up. Um, it's very easy to remove. It doesn't damage your finish. Um, you got to work it a little bit, but it will come off. Um, mm-hmm. And with bugs, um, you know, a, a, if you find a, uh, an all-purpose automotive cleaner, um, and there's a lot of manufacturers that make them, uh, an all-purpose cleaner will go a long way to removing bugs. And then some companies actually, detailing um, supply companies actually have uh, a, you know, a spray-on bug remover. But yep. basically, it's an all-purpose cleaner. Yeah. So something like something like Simple Green? Simple Green will work. Uh, we use um, uh, a, a product called Power Clean. Um, okay. It's a gentle, all-purpose cleaner. It works great for bugs and um, just general grime. Yep. Um, and it's safe for interiors, too. But, um, yeah, uh, you know, if you went down, um, you know, there's plenty of online places, even Amazon, if you looked up uh, bug remover or yep. automo- automobiles. Uh, yep. I'm sure you'd find, like, 50 or 60 yep. different types of products. Yeah. Uh, I, before, before we let you go, one of the other things is stinky car interiors and dirty interiors. Um, you know, the, the idea of soapy water on top of carpet that just soaks more into the carpet doesn't work. Extraction works a little bit better, but what do you guys do when, uh, you know, you get a, you get a car in and the person's been, uh, smoking cigars and driving around with their German shepherd in their car for a year? <laughs> well, dog, dog hair is always fun. It's, it's kind of a pain to remove. Um, but, you know, keeping the interior clean is really important. You spend a lot of time driving your car as as opposed to seeing the outside of it. Um, mm-hmm. Carpet extraction, like, you know, if it's stained, you, you carpet extract. Uh, you can use a gentle all-purpose cleaner to remove stains off your seats. Um, we, use, uh, we use this uh, steam machine to disinfect and, um, you know, remove stains. Um, but if you're going to use an extractor or any sort of liquid, it's always important to make sure that the inside is dry. Otherwise, you're just going to promote mold. Um, you know, we've seen some cars that have been in storage that the water has gotten inside, and it's a mess in there. Yeah. Um, but, you know, with a general good cleaning and using, a you know, steam and a carpet extractor, most smells will disappear. Do you have you have you tried any of the like, like ozone generator type things or any of those things that claim to to get rid of the smells and other issues? Honestly, honestly, we haven't. Um, yeah. You know, we're we're pretty good about getting cigarette smoke and cigar smoke out of vehicles. Um, yeah. We have a, we work with a few dealers, and sometimes they get uh, some projects that their detail department can't handle. Yeah. And uh, we we take care of it for them. Um, but, um, you know, it's just a matter of making sure that all the surfaces are clean and that uh, the, the smell isn't sitting on top of the surface any longer. Right, right. And one final thing. I got something in the mail the other day, and it's a, uh, I guess, sort of a hybrid sort of wax. And I, have, I haven't tried it, and I don't know anything about it, but it's you wash your car, and then you, you dry it, and then you spray the stuff on, and then wash it off with water, and it's supposed to seal the water 
kind of seals it on. So it's, I guess it's kind of a hybrid ceramic-y sort of spray bottle yeah, it's, sort it's of stuff. Yeah, it's silica spray. Um, yeah. So there's a few companies that make it. And, you, I, you know, I see the ads on Facebook all the time. Uh, if you're on social media, you'll see them too. But um, basically, you, you spray it on after you wash, and then you rinse it off. And it's kind of um, it's kind of a long-term sealant. Um, some of those you'll get six months to a year out of. Uh, they work really great, and they're really easy to apply. You just have to make sure that your painted surfaces are not hot, so direct sunlight would be bad yep. because it mm-hmm. will leave high spots everywhere. Yeah. Um, so you, you got to make sure the surfaces are cool, but they work really great. Um, oh, okay. It's a great alternative to wax. Yeah, yeah. I think this this company is a company called Three O Three. They make a bunch of different stuff, and and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, and and I was like, I've never never quite heard of this stuff. I know there's sort of a higher end product. I think it's F forty or something that uh, similar idea that's supposed to give it give give it that depth afterwards when you're when you're done with it. But like you yeah. pointed out, you gotta you gotta have a good clean car and a cool surface. You don't want to you don't want to be doing this on a on a summer day out in bright sunlight. Right. Even washing, you know, you really shouldn't be doing indirect sunlight. Um, uh, I know a lot of people don't follow that rule because they're doing it in the driveway and they may not have shade. Um, but the, the issue is that the surfaces get super hot, especially on a black car, and the water starts to evaporate. And if you live in certain towns that have, you know, town well water, yeah. a lot of the water is really hard. And you're, all you're doing is depositing minerals everywhere on the painted surfaces. So you just have to keep in mind, make sure that you're panels are not hot where as soon as water hits it, it's going to evaporate. Yeah, I remember years years ago, I think... I don't remember who it was, Mr. Clean or something, actually came out with a, a kit that would go on the end of your garden hose and it would run it through, the water would run through some sort of filter system. So at the yes. at the end of the hose, you would get essentially pretty clean water. And it was surprising how much crap there is in the water that you don't think about and you probably drink it every day too. So, so I think theirs was kind of like a charcoal-based filter. Yeah, some, um, something like that, you know, yeah. yeah. Yeah, they make they make also make systems for you know the guy that doesn't want to dry. Um, they make systems that deionize the water and pull all the minerals out of it. Yeah, you don't want to drink it, but you can yeah. use it to wash your car, and then it's rinsed, and then you leave it alone because as the water evaporates, there's no minerals in it, um, so it, it evaporates clean, and there's nothing left on the surface. Um, that's the ultimate lazy man's. Uh, drying method, and it's also you can't induce any scratches or swirls because you're not touching the car. Oh, well, um, you've, you've, so you've, it's a great system. Yeah, you just painted a good picture of me. You know, ultimate laziness. <laughs> That's all good. Yeah. So, um, you, you know, t- is talking talking about drying. You you mentioned you know bath towels aren't the right thing to dry towels with uh, dry a car with. Correct. Uh, year, years ago, somebody said to me, "Oh, there's nothing better than." Uh, you know, uh, cloth cloth diapers are, are good, and then chamois came along. And then people were using sort of these squeegee sort of things, and then yep. uh, you know, uh, you could you could get out there with a, a, a blower and blow the water off of the car. What do you yep. what do you like? To, what do you or, or chamois? Uh, you know, I, I keep a chamois in in my car. What what do you what do you like to use? What do you think is the best thing? So what we like to use, and since we're doing no rinse, uh, you know, we wash the yep. no rinse method, we use very fluffy, the, I think they're 1,100 uh, GSM uh, microfiber towels. Okay. Um, they pull everything away from the paint. They're very soft. They don't mar. Um, 
everyone's kind of gone to the microfiber route and right. you know, cause they're, they're durable. They last, um, you know, you throw them in a washing machine and then you can throw them in a dryer. Uh, with microfiber, it's important not to put your dryer on high heat because you start to melt the ends, and that's where you end up causing scratching. Yep. Um, so, so you know, drying with low heat, um, you don't ever want to use fabric softener with your with any of your towels that you use in your car. Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, we 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 we've kind of all gone to to microfiber towels. And microfiber towels are a great way to finish off when you clean windows, right? Uh, yeah, they, they make, um, they're, uh, some are better than others. Waffle weave microfiber towels don't have a high pile and it makes cleaning windows very easy. Um, I don't know if you necessarily would want to use a, a really fluffy towel cause you really yep. end up using streaks in the window, but you know, a, a low pile waffle weave towel works great. Mm. Do you, do you have a favorite window cleaner? Uh, yeah, I do actually. Uh, we, we like, um, we we use no rinse as a cleaner, but we really oh, okay. like Stoner's uh, invisible, uh, invisible invisible glass. glass. Yeah, yeah, it's good. Yeah, that's good stuff. And 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 uh, if I don't if I don't have that, I'm kind of a fan of the the Sprayway stuff in the spray can. seems seems to work pretty well too. Oh so. yeah, yeah, yep. yeah, that works great too. Yeah. Well, tell us a little, uh, craft detailing again. Craftdetailing.com. Uh, you are Kevin Song. You're the owner, and you're located uh, up near the Dedham Mall, uh, right off of Route One, yeah. right? That's correct. Yeah. Hey, thanks for taking some time out of your Saturday morning on this uh, Memorial Day weekend and uh, helping us stay informed about the right way to take care of your car. Make sure the finish looks good, and uh, you have you have a, a great website too, uh, craftdetailing.com. Check it check it out. And a phone number if people want to get a hold of you. What's a good number? Um, it's Six one seven six five eight three five five zero. Six one seven six five eight three five five zero. Craftdetailing dot com. Uh, and uh, ask for Kevin; he'll take care of your car for you. John, Kevin, I appreciate you having me on the show today. All right, Kevin. Thanks a lot. And uh, uh, you never know if you see a if you see a black Volkswagen uh, convertible coming up there that looks like it needs some some good cleaning. That could be me. Oh uh, well, we'll, well uh, we'll make sure we'll take care of you. All right. Thanks, Kevin. Take care. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. That was Kevin Song, the owner of Craft Detailing, Craft Detailing, a local company right here in Dedham. Uh, again, he uh, he saw the comments on Boston.com about ceramic paint coating and uh, I get, listens to the podcast and so forth. And uh, I just thought it'd be interesting to have him on. And always good to always good to learn about detailing. And, and I hadn't known about this uh this rinseless car wash years ago there was a company and i think it was the same company that makes uh i think it's gold eagle products uh the same one that makes stable for instance and they had a uh rinseless car wash sort of in a can you aerosol spray and what it would do is you'd spray it on the car and it would float it would float the dirt off of the paint finish and i think their biggest problem was they weren't very good at marketing how well it worked and like kevin pointed out it was one of those things that people were a little nervous about at first okay i have a kind of dirty car i'm going to spray the stuff on it now i'm going to wipe it off and i'm going to just you know isn't this going to just scratch the paint when in fact the chemicals in it float the dirt away and keep that very same thing from happening, something you could actually do with uh, a conventional bucket and soap and water. And depending on how you do it, uh, Kevin did mention, you know, a lot of people use the two-bucket method, which is uh, if you're if you're out washing your car today 
And the good thing about washing a car, by the way, you burn somewhere between uh, 700 and 900 calories if you wash and wax your car afterwards, more depending on how big the car is. So it can actually be a little bit of a uh, exercise and uh, calorie burner at the same time. But uh, don't go out there with one bucket, one sponge. You're going to end up putting that dirty, soapy water back on the car again and potentially scratch the finish. Why don't we take a break? Our phone lines are open at 617-770-3030, 617-770-3030. That's how you get through if you want to talk to us. Uh, phone lo- phones are working just the way they're supposed to these days. So uh, you're listening to the Car Doctor program on AM 950 WROL, the Spirit of Boston. We'll be right back. I don't want nothing in the world you got. No, you can't do nothing for me. You can't do nothing for me. I buy you a diamond ring. And welcome back to the Car Doctor program on AM 950 WROL, the Spirit of Boston, or maybe 100.3 FM or WROLradio.com, any one of those places you could be listening on this Memorial Day weekend. Uh, Our phone number is 617-770-3030, almost like I forgot for a minute, but 617-770-3030 is how you get through and talk to us about your car and your car problems. Uh, Let's talk to John in Boston. John, good morning. Hello, John. Hi. Hi. I always I always look forward to hearing your show. Anyway, um, calling about a 1980, 81, I'm not sure exactly, uh, Dodge Omni Horizon two-door. All right. I guess they didn't make as many as the four-doors. The four-doors were more popular. And finding a hood for one. That's what. I know someone hmm. that goes to junkyards, he hasn't seen any of those cars for years in junkyards, even a hood on one. Is there an aftermarket? Yeah. Maybe. Uh, yeah, I mean, you could you could try you could try a you'd you'd have to work through a body shop, but you could try a company like LKQ, which is part of Keystone or the other way around. And LKQ, yeah, LKQ, which is um, yeah. which in insurance lingo stands for like, kind, and quality. Um, but they they don't they don't sell directly to the public. But if you went to oh, a yeah. body sh- yeah, if you went to a body shop and said to them, "Hey, look, I'm looking for a hood for this." Uh, 1981, you know, Dodge Omni two-door, and, uh, you know, at least they could check, and, yeah, you know, they'd, they'd mark it up a little bit when they sold it to you, so you'd get a little bit. What's wrong? With, is the hood crushed or rotted out? What's the problem? It's rotted out, yeah. Yeah. Actually, I mean, it's, it's, it's an Omni Horizon two-door built into an electric, I think it was built, I thought it was built by Chrysler, but Jet Industries in Texas built uh, only about 70 of these. Oh, okay, okay, so it's... On it. Oh, so it's a it's a from the acid is under the hood. All that battery. Oh, okay. You know, so it's, it's yeah. So 
Yeah, I mean the other the other thing you could do, I suppose you could fabricate a hood. You know, you could you could go to a metal fab place and you know if if the if the structure if the part that reinforces the sheet metal is solid enough, you could always you could always make something up. It might not be perfect, but it probably look pretty good. You know, but well, it's a, it's all it's all about money. It's all about money. But yeah, but I would I would try I would try a body shop and see if they, see if they can find one. What happens is, like everything else, even junkyards, if it sits there long enough and nobody's nobody takes any interest to it, it's going to start to rot away on its own. So while it still has a little bit of metal value to it, they're going to crush it up and and get rid of it. So um you know it's unfortunate but you know space space is money in the junkyard business so if it's just if it's just sitting there and it's taking up space and it and it can have something that's going to sit in that space that they're going to be able to part out and sell um you know the only way you might get a little lucky would be that uh and, and i don't know what years that hood fits but you might find that that same hood fits a bunch of different years. And there was a, do you remember the hot rod version of the Omni called the Omni GLH? No, not so no. much. I remember the yeah. new Omni. Yeah. GLH yeah. Though. yeah. Yeah. The GLH, the GLH was a Shelby, you know, Carol Shelby inspired Omni. Uh, you know, people, people say the GLH stands for goes like, and you can, fill in whatever you want afterwards um and it's it's one of those it's kind of a collector car and you you might find that somewhere out there there's there's one to be found but um i i think at this point depending on what the hood looks like uh, you could you you might be able to find it in aftermarket if you can't find it in aftermarket it's still a piece of tin so you, you know somebody you may, and i'm an aftermarket I, oh, they make everything in aftermarket. You know, everything from headlights to taillights to door panels. You know, everything's available in the aftermarket. But again, you you to be able to do it, to be able to buy directly. You can't buy directly from from LKQ. They they only sell to to industry. So go into a go into a body shop. Maybe somebody okay. somebody in your neighborhood, right, right. you know, and say, hey, I'm looking for a hood for an '81. Dodge Omni. Uh, I can't find one in junkyards anywhere. Can you check with your supplier and see if you can get me an aftermarket hood? And then maybe you can make a deal with the guy to have him paint it for you, or or at least you know paint it you know prime prime it black for you, or do a flat black finish on it, so it kind of it kind of reflects the rest of the car a little bit, and then you'd have something pretty cool afterwards. Did they share that body style with another car company? I was thinking Mitsubishi, but I don't know. If that was no, it wouldn't be Mitsubishi, but no. but there's there, there was a Plymouth equivalent. So there was a Plymouth, there was a Plymouth and a Dodge. You know, they were, they were probably similar enough. But yeah, I I would I would try that. I I was uh, driving something this week you would probably like. I was driving the Kia Nero electric. Yeah, I don't uh, like any electric. It's, yeah, it's a uh, it's a uh, uh, small SUV sort of style. It, when fully charged up, it has a two hundred and f- almost two hundred and sixty mile range. <laughs> so it's yeah, it's money, com- you know what? In my opinion, Tesla is the best electric car for the money that the Kia goes for. I'd go right to a Tesla. There's no well, it, around. They, that's all they do is electrics, and they got yeah. the styling too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, although I got to tell you that the the, uh, the Tesla forty thousand. It's in that range, yeah. Hey, but yeah, that's I'd, I'd but that, Tesla, you know. But the, but that is, 
Yeah, that's fully equipped. Every option you can imagine in it. The Tesla, I, I got to tell you, there's a couple things. I that, that big single display on the Tesla, there's not one button in the Tesla except for the four-way flashers. And that's a, that's a little bit annoying when you're driving down the road. I think it causes a little too much distraction. And the build quality on the Tesla 3s, I've been in two of them now that I've had to I've had to slam the passenger door because the doors don't fit that great. So, but, uh, you know, I guess Elon says they have many, many orders for the Tesla threes and they want to try to get up to building uh, what a thousand a week or something They're They're not quite there yet. So he's encouraging his help to, to build faster and quicker. And the last I knew they were assembling Teslas in a big tent somewhere. So, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, uh, but I got to tell you, this Kia Nero was pretty impressive. Uh, you know, oh, good, I, I wouldn't yeah. turn it away, but I'd go yeah. to Tesla first. Yeah, the good. Chevy Bolt looks like a Honda to me. Yeah, the, 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 yeah, the Chevy yeah. Bolt. The Chevy Bolt. I haven't. I haven't driven other than around the block. But uh, mm-hmm. this this Nero, I was. Uh, I was. I was impressed with the range. I was impressed with the performance, and because it's a small SUV-ish kind of thing, um, I had to carry uh, ten or twelve boxes in it yesterday, and it and it worked out really good. It was uh, it was a surprisingly good vehicle. So kind of kind of nice to see. Well, that sounds good. What's the LKQ, huh? I'll ask the body shop about that. Yeah, yeah. Ask the body shop. They should be able to come up with an answer for you. Oh, thank you, John. Okay. All right. Take care. All right. Yep. Bye-bye. 617-770-3030. is how you get through and talk to us about your car and your car problems. I've talked about this before, and it was sort of interesting that it came up in an article I was looking at. Um, And the article's from a company called... uh, um, searchautoparts.com sounds like a place where john should look for his hood uh but it says way back in the day vehicle owners had tune-ups performed on their cars every year or every fifteen thousand miles or so and i think back in the day before that people even did it in the spring and the fall Uh, maybe the person younger than i am most of the engine management systems were mechanical and wore over time the contact breaker points and ignition system for example had to be cleaned or replaced i don't think i ever cleaned a set of points i they were cheap enough you just replaced them or adjusted to keep the ignition timing and specification yeah if the points wore because the rubbing block was worn the timing would change and if the timing changed put a new set of points in it uh choke linkages would stick carburetors need work so you know what what is a tune-up these days one definition of a term is general adjustment to ensure operation at peak efficiency. Some sources like to add a process in which small changes are made to something such as the engine in order to make it work better by either definition. But what does it really mean today? It really means, um, you know, they still service ignitions and cars, spark plugs, but most cars don't require valve adjustments. So, you know, is that no, is there no such thing? Well, there's a few reasons. Um, you know, there's the, uh, you know, what they're calling. So what should you offer at a garage? The 30, 60, 90 menu board. The option gained popularity a few years ago and still graces the menu boards of some shop that uh, the concept of routine service based on 30,000 mile interviews, inter- intervals, not a bad idea. Uh, it says, but this may even be a little archaic too. Maintenance needs to exist, but maybe not on the same levels it used to. Better yet is an idea of setting up a routine maintenance plan for customers based on Original equipment maintenance recommendations. There's a surprise. Do what the manufacturer tells you to do. Um, Follow these severe conditions if you drive your family vehicle mainly under some of these conditions, less than five miles per day. 
driving in extreme hot over 90 degrees, extensive idling over a long period of time, stop and go driving such as taxi or commercial service. That does not include getting stuck in Boston traffic, by the way. Trailer towing, dusty, dirty environments, which some people say has to do with uh, pollen. I don't agree with that. Uh, so what if it's not on the schedule, like things like brake fluid replacement? Uh, it seems no domestic manufacturer recommends that. Europeans and some Asians do. Um, brake fluid can absorb water, so you tend to want to look at it. But yeah, there's a few things you still need to do. Yeah, you don't replace points and plugs anymore, but you still need to look at things to make sure that they're going to perform properly on your car. Our phone number is 617-770-3030, 617-770-3030. I think we have Mike on the phone. Mike. Morning, John Paul. How are you? Good. How are you doing? Good. I had a question there on the uh, battery. I have a battery in my car that I store up, you know, the car for the winter. And uh, <clears throat> the thing usually doesn't have a charge left, you know, when I get it in the spring. And so now, uh, this year here, usually when you start it and run it, it, it keeps a charge and it lasts the summer. But I pulled the caps off uh, to put a trickle charger on it. Yeah. And like, you know one of those helicopter leaves for a tree? Yeah. If the leaf part, the wing part, fell into the uh, cell on one of the, one of the <laughs> kit, you know, inside the cap there. It, it fell into the battery, yeah. and I was wondering, yeah. would that bother that cell? Do you think? I, I, yeah, I don't know. You know, that's a, that's a really good question. I don't think so. I think, I mean, it's it's um, it's it's an acid. I think it's just going to eat it up, and it's organic, and that's and inside the cells is organic. In fact, one of the things that. Uh, uh, our battery supplier, East Penn, which makes all the AAA batteries, uh, there's only about half, I don't even think there's half a dozen battery manufacturers, but East Penn is the one who makes ours, and, and they actually take the the battery acid when they're done, and the, the junk that's at the very bottom that you can't do anything with, they when they when they manufacture it, it creates kind of a sulfury stuff, and then uh, they actually turn it into some sort of fertilizer afterwards. So I think you're making your own fertilizer at the bottom of the battery is what it comes down to. So, um, you know, what you should try to do, though, over the course of the winter is to keep that, you know, go get uh, something like a battery tender or uh, one of those kind of float-style battery chargers. Uh, the battery tenders run between thirty and fifty dollars. You can buy the you can buy a you can buy one at Harbor Freight for six or seven dollars. I can't imagine they're quite as good, but you know it's probably better than nothing. And maintain the battery over the course of the winter. That's going to actually help it stay charged, and it's not going to happen. How old is this battery? This battery's got to be at least six years old. Yeah, yeah, and and probably from going dead over the winter time over six years, it probably doesn't have a lot of life left in it anyway. So, what you want to do, and you're you're doing the right thing, you're charging it up really slowly, and that's what you want to do. You want to put it on that charger, and and if it's just like a a, a, a half an amp or a one amp or a two amp charger, that's what you want to do, and you want to charge it up nice and slow, and that could take from fully dead to fully charged. That could that could uh, that could take a good twenty four hours to fully charge that battery up. Right. Yeah. yeah. the The other thing. The I other did, thing. I put it on for the twenty four hours. Yeah. Like a little more than that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's that, that, that's fine. The other thing is uh, where you said it has caps on the battery. If 
uh, and you want to do this in a well-ventilated area. But what you can do, and it'll give you an idea of what the cells look like in the battery, if you turn the key and put a little load on the battery, like you're cranking the engine over and you have the caps off and you look down at the water in the battery and all of a sudden you see one of the cells start to bubble, that, that cell has had it. So that will give you an indication that that battery is not in very good shape. Again, you have to watch out because it's hydrogen gas and you don't want to have any sparks or anything. But, uh, but that will give you an idea that the battery's, battery's about had it. The best thing to do, of course, is have the battery tested to see what kind of shape it's in. But six years old on a battery that gets used periodically and goes dead over the wintertime, eh, it might be time for a new battery. Yeah. The, uh, I had called you a couple of weeks ago about my rack and pinion leak on my Ford F-150, 2008 oh, yeah. Yeah. Ford. And uh, you were right. It was the, it was the hose that uh, come from the reservoir, right? There's two hoses that go to yeah. the reservoir, like a big hose and a small yeah. hose. And, and it's like a, a piece of tubing that's bolted on the front of the frame, uh, you know. And I was surprised the other, uh, you know, that the, the one hose type was only like 30 bucks the other one was 95 dollars right and yep. that naturally was a 95 dollar uh, hose that was gone and, but i'm saying you know this thing is made in china right and the quality is not even as good as the original um uh tube you know hose because yep. it had you know like rubber mounts there with uh, metal brackets there to hold the tubing and this one here just has metal clips that clip over the tubing and everything and I'm saying to myself where's all the saving there from China if the if you're getting a uh, replacement part that the quality is, is nowhere as good as the original you know what I mean and they still charge all outdoors for the thing and you know the tubing is only like about two and a half feet long and then it's got a short piece of hose and it's not even a pressure hose you know yeah yeah no it, it's uh I don't have an answer for that. You know, it, it seems like it seems like you can't uh, you can't look at anything that doesn't seem like it's not made in China. So, uh, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. I, 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 you, you got me. So, you know, the original equipment hose. You know, maybe, maybe it's maybe it is double in price, and and who know? And you don't even know where that's going to be made. You know, you you would like to think it's made, you know, made somewhere, but you kind of look around and you look at. You know, half the you, know, you think of Volkswagen, German car company. You know, a lot of Volkswagens are made in Mexico. You look at uh, you look at you know f- you know some Ford stuff. A lot of a lot of Ford stuff is made in Mexico. A lot of GM stuff is made in Canada. So you you never know where the stuff is really going to turn up. And the same thing with replacement parts. You you don't really know. And even sometimes when you're buying a brand name, when you take it out of the box, it's not the same brand that the that came in the box because they've been either reboxed or or they just send the boxes to wherever the factory is so you don't know what you're getting all you can hope for is you're going to get another you know five six seven years out of that hose and hopefully you'll be okay right you know i had a question on my daughter's car she's got a uh, ford fusion of 2008 right yeah well since nobody changes spark plugs anymore, I realized that she hadn't changed the spark plugs. You know, it's never been done. And the car's probably got like 120, 30,000 miles on it. And I'm saying to myself, would I be getting in more trouble to, to have the things, spark plugs change? Or will they last for the life of the car? I mean, uh, uh, the, the simple answer is they probably won't last for the life of the car, but they're amazing how long they'll last. And at this kind of mileage, one of the things you have to watch out for with spark plugs is that 
you know, they can almost seize right into the engine. And when that happens, then you, then you're kind of in trouble. It's, it's, you know, you're going to try to take the plugs out and they're going to be, you might end up taking the threads out. So you're going to have to look at doing helicoils or something afterwards. Sometimes, sometimes you get lucky. Everything comes out the way it should. Uh, but, uh, you, you know, with aluminum cylinder heads and steel spark plugs, sometimes they, they, almost melt together at the same time and that can that can turn into that can turn into a real messy situation not quite as bad in the fusion as for instance in your pickup truck uh, some ford pickup trucks use a long spark plug and it was only threaded in part of the end of the plug and they would they would come right out with the threads in fact ford even came out with a kit to, to uh, almost like a, it was a special design Ford helicoil kit to fix that problem. And uh, you, never, you never know. So uh, it might be one of those things that you say, you know, just, just, keep, just keep driving it until, uh, until it starts a misfire. When it misfires, you take your chances. Um, you, know, chances are, you know, chances are those plugs needed to be changed at around 90,000, but yeah, it's 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 definitely due. Yeah, it's, yeah. The, uh, I'm wondering on the you know like on the pickup, right? You're saying on the uh, the V8. Now the V8 they had they had a four six and a five three or something, a five four, whatever it is. You know, the big mm. V8. Yep. And I was talking to a mechanic, and he was saying that the problem one was the bigger V8. Now I yep. don't know why he said that. Whether it would, he meant it was hard to get at, or it was just that uh, you know the difference in the two engines. I don't know. Yeah, what yeah it was. Saying. It was the difference in the two engines. The other thing is they they buried the engine half under the firewall, which didn't make it any you know any pleasure to work on. You know, we work on a lot of those at work because um, we use a, we use a lot of F one fifties for light service trucks and F five fifties for our for our uh, wreckers and six uh, fifties for our flatbeds and. Uh, uh, we take the cabs right off of them in a lot of cases to get at the engine if we have to do major engine work because that's the only way you can get at them. So, uh, yeah. Wow. So the the big the big engines no pleasure to work on sometimes is you know, a lot of stuff in the way. But but yeah, you you got to be you got to be a little bit careful. Yeah. So it's basically just the access that he was probably talking about on the engine. Well, the- well, well. It's the access in that in that plug design. That plug design on some of those on some of those Ford V8s can be a real bear if they if they you know it's it's kind of tough for a customer that the customer comes in and the truck's running pretty good and then you got to call them up and say hey when we went to take that one of those plugs out uh the threads came out with the plug or the plug broke off you know half inside the cylinder and half you know i got half the plug out and half of it's still stuck inside the cylinder and now all of a sudden you have a you have a truck that went from running okay when it came in that you brought it in for just maintenance and now all of a sudden you have something that uh doesn't run anymore so for the the shop owner he's in he's in on almost as much you know hot water as the as the person who owns the truck so yeah you have to you have to just experience tells you which ones are going to be good and which ones are going to be bad and like i said it's not unusual you go to take some of these uh ford plugs out and you get the plug the ceramic piece and you wonder where the threads are because the thread broke off inside the cylinder head oh no yeah yeah. So. Now I have one other question, if I could. You know, on the brake pads and the calipers, right? One side of the pad is wearing 
a lot faster than the other side. What is that usually an indication of? Is that the, you know... That's the, the caliper slide is sticking. What's happening is it's working on the piston side, and but when on a single piston caliper, which most which most trucks this and is things, a Ford Edge uh, two thousand and eight Ford Edge. Yeah. I don't know if there's a double or a single yeah. caliper. Yeah, it, uh, it's pro- it's caliper. probably it's probably a single piston caliper still, and what that means is it's pushing the pistons pushing. Uh, on one side and it's wearing out the caliper but it, it should when it squeezes together you know the dual piston ones both pistons squeeze together just like a bicycle brake on a single piston right. one one piston push the single piston pushes and then it slides the other side of the caliper back against the the rotor and that's what makes it even well if that caliper slide is sticky and rusty uh you need to you need to pull the caliper off clean the clean the rust out of it uh, if there is a slide plate in there, clean that all off, and then you you put a little bit of lubricant, like never sees or something like that, a high temperature lubricant in there. That's and, and you don't put too much in because you don't want to attract dirt, but you want to put enough in, and you you want to take all the parts over to a, a wire brush and and clean them up so everything works okay. So you do have to, you know, there there is a little bit of maintenance involved in them, and that's and that's how you have to take care of it. Very good. Thank okay. you very much. Sean. All right. Uh, all right. Take yeah. care. All right, take care. Bye-bye now. 617-770-3030, 617-770-3030. We have a couple phone lines open, but I think we have Rick on the phone. Rick, good morning. Hey there. Um, uh, let me just uh, make a suggestion before I give you my question. Um, when I was in the Coast Guard, we found that putting uh, powdered graphite in locks, even if we were on ships underway, uh, was, was a great thing because it was a powder. It would lubricate. But it wouldn't attract dust and salt spray and you know the salt net like uh, a liquid would. You 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 are you are most correct on that. In fact, um, you can although there is a there is a um, there is a liquid lock stuff that is actually mostly graphite with just a, a little bit of uh, I think it's called Lockies. I, I I actually used it. My wife's. Volkswagen, the ignition key was sticking a little bit, and I put some of this in. But it is mostly it is mostly graphite with a little bit of liquid in it, so it flows a little bit better. But you're right. Uh, the other issue is with locks. Sometimes people use WD-40, which I'm guilty of using as well. In fact, I used some just this past week, and. Uh, WD-40 is a good product, but it, it, because it's a liquid, it can tend to attract some stuff. The other part is it tends to be a it tends to be a, a cleaner at the same time, and it can wash away some of the factory oils that are in there. So you're right, uh, powdered graphite uh, is is great stuff. You buy it in a little looks like a, a little pencil tube, and you cut the end of it off, stick it in the lock, spray it in there, and uh, it's good to go. And a good tip. Well, the thing is, uh, you know, what you do is you put your finger over the tip, and you turn it upside down and shake it a little bit to get the powder right down at the end before you squirt it in the lock. You're experienced. <laughs> okay, <laughs> here's my question: Is there a percentage of the uh, any percentages on the number of drivers that uh, get ticketed or have an accident in a year? Hmm. I'm sure there is. Um, but I don't know what it is. I'm sure there, I'm sure there is a a percentage of, and it's, what's interesting is that if you ask, if you ask a hundred people, if they were good drivers, uh, 
95 percent of them yes. yes they would say they were but they don't tell you about the they don't tell you about the crashes they almost caused uh we always use an example of a merging lane on the highway where someone someone is uh in the right hand lane and they're going they're going uh, whatever their speed is somebody's pulling out from it from the ramp and didn't looked over didn't give them enough time the uh the the person you know pulled away and then the two cars collided into each other and you say well whose fault is it well the person that's going to get the ticket's going to be the person that rear-ended the car coming out onto the highway but the reality is all three of them were at fault the person that was in the right-hand lane speeding might have been you know they were at fault because they were speeding the person that uh pulled up to the yield sign and decided to go then then stop they're at fault and the person that ran into them well they're at fault too so uh so you look at that but the person who drove away and didn't get involved in the crash they're like I, I i'm a good driver nothing ever happens to me and most people most people in their lifetime might only get in one or two car crashes and they think well that's that's pretty go pretty good over their lifetime but the reality of it is it's they don't you don't they, if you if you could only count the ones that almost happened uh those are the ones i think those are we look at that with all of this advanced safety technology and, you know, does things like automatic emergency braking work? Well, no one ever reports a crash that didn't happen. They only report the one that did. So, uh, but the number of tickets, um, you know, the Boston Globe every once in a while does a ticket profile and they, they go around and they look and see which towns write the most amount of tickets. And uh, for a while it was, it was sort of Hingham, Hingham wrote the most and Quincy wrote the least. Uh, but it, 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 it's hard, it's hard to say. I know in the little, in the town I live in, uh, they write a lot of tickets in my town. So, uh, you know, so I, I don't, I don't know what the percentage is. I'm sure it's out there of the, of the 300 million drivers on the road. Um, it's, it's nowhere near a hundred million people get tickets and getting crashes. I know that. Well, um, I was uh, driving yesterday, and I was in the city of Boston. But picture in mind a windy country road with with trees on both, you know, with woods on both sides. Mm-hmm. And I had this guy pull up behind me, even though I was doing just a little bit over the speed limit, and tailgated me and waited until he thought it was safe. And even though we're going around corners, gunned it and passed me after, and when he crossed the double yellow line. Because I wasn't going fast enough for him. Yeah, I had that. Yeah. I was, I was, I was on Route 18, sort of in East Bridgewater or something, the other morning. Now it was 6:30 in the morning. I pulled out of uh, someplace, and uh, the speed limit's maybe 35 or 40 miles an hour. I pulled out, and this guy came out of nowhere. I would estimate, and I'm pretty good at estimating speed, I would estimate he was doing about 60 when he passed me on the right. Yeah. So, you know, that kind of gives that kind of gives you an idea of uh, of what what happens and 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 how many and how many times that you're going to run into, you know, the, those kind of drivers. So, it is uh, you know, I I don't know what the answer is, but I I don't know what the answer is by tickets but uh you know the the amount of crashes per year i'm sure are uh, are a lot um well but days like that you wish you had a blue light on your car and a badge on your chest well 
there are there certainly are those times where I think I like I would like to think the same way, but yeah, you 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 never you never really you never really know. Uh, let's see, I can tell you annually there are 1.25 million people. This is around the world. Um, looks like they crashed. There's an average of uh, in the United States here. There's an average of 3,287. No, this is again. This is uh, this is worldwide here. Uh, 3,287 deaths per day. So, uh, you know, just just something to work. It's something to think. Of. Watch out for people. I guess you know what the, what they used to say in uh, in that TV show. You know, be careful out there. You know, whatever they whatever they said. Be careful out there when you're out there, Rick. Yeah. All right. Well, we we used to say keep your head low when I was in the military. Well, that too. Keep your head low and uh, be careful. Yep. All right. Take care, Rick. Okay, John. All right. Take care. Bye bye. We need to take another break. My name is John Paul. This is the Car Doctor Program. You're listening on AM 950 WROL, The Spirit of Boston. We'll be right back. And welcome back to The Car Doctor. You're listening on AM 950 WROL, The Spirit of Boston. And a couple things coming up uh, in a couple weeks. I think it's June 7th, if that's the Saturday. Um, I've been asked to go up to the... uh, Go up to the uh, Burlington Police Department to do a car show up there. And uh, 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 Sergeant uh, Bernie Schipoletti at the Burlington Police Department asked me to be a judge, so I'm going to go up and do that. I haven't, haven't been a judge at a, at a car show in a, in a long time, so uh, I'm going to do that. And I uh, got a couple of emails from people this morning from the uh, column in the Globe. One person wanted to know about they have a Camry hybrid, and they want to know about it has about 80,000 miles on it. It's about six or seven years old. They want to know about how long the battery pack lasts. And uh, about all I could really tell them was talking to Boston cab drivers, they get about 300 and 350,000 miles out of the Camry battery pack before they have to replace it. Now, they do that in about three years because those things never stop. And I got a, another email from uh, somebody in Hull that had a uh, uh, question about their vehicle or, or, or a comment about one of the columns I wrote and uh, and one of the one of the interesting things was they uh, they are from they're from Hull and I asked whether Nantasket Beach still does a a big car show at Nantasket Beach and they still do and that's coming up in a few weeks so it is car show season it's time to time to see some great cars and uh, you know it's it's interesting to see so uh, so we well, kind of fun stuff uh, also. Uh, the Providence Journal column also created a couple comments as well about my leaky Rolls-Royce story that I tell from time to time. Our phone number is 617-770-3030, 617-770-3030. I think we have Mike on the phone. Mike, is that you? Good morning, John. Good morning. John, I, I wanted to ask you. I'm, I'm well. Thank you for asking, sir. I appreciate it. Um, 
I wanted to ask you about tire rotation and and uh, it may be if your thinking has evolved on that over the years or is it still the same? How many miles, if so, and any of your thoughts would be appreciated? My wife doesn't think I've evolved at all. <laughs> um, you, you, <laughs> I think I'm in the same camp. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, there, there was a time where we always said rotate your tires front to back or even way back when we used to say extra tires cross them side to side every five to six thousand miles and then we, we changed that to let's just move them front to back and still do it every five or six thousand miles and then it was well it still is important to go side to side but we were concerned originally with radial tires that they would sort of take a set so they would whatever direction they were in they like to be in that same direction so then they said well what we can do is still rotate the tires every 7500 miles but take the front ones and take the left front and put it on the right rear and take the right front and put it on the left rear and then take the two rear tires and move them straight up to the front so the left rear goes to the left front and the right rear goes to the right front and do that so what ends up happening is every 15,000 miles the tires completely change sides of the car they're on then there are people that say you know if you're going into a shop that charges $120 an hour labor and it's going to and they have a minimum 30 minute labor charge you're going to spend $60 to rotate the tires and are you really going to save that much wear and tear in the tires to me, I like to rotate the tires on a vehicle about once a year, and not so much for the tire rotation, but it's a good excuse to look at the brakes in the car. So you have the wheels off, you can get a good look at the brakes, you know what's going on. My own car, since I know a little bit more about it, um, I look at the tires on a pretty regular basis and look and see how they're wearing, and honestly, if they're wearing, if they're wearing evenly across and the treads consistent front to back, I tend to leave them alone. Okay. Uh, you know, for some reason, John, I remember at one time maybe you made a comment, a, a, a lady had asked to have her tires rotated, and I think it was a Volvo, and the Volvo technician said you don't need to do it. I didn't know that, but what I wanted to ask you um, along those lines then is, um, I think it's the Porsche Cayenne that mm-hmm. has the staggered you know the staggered yep. tires come standard on the car, so obviously the fronts and the and the rears are different sizes. How would you? Would that be side to side, and that's yeah. it? And you couldn't do the cross. No, on 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 some performance cars, like whether it's a Porsche or a or a Corvette, uh, the tires are directional, so they're meant to be on the left side or the right side. So the only way you can technically rotate the tires is you actually have to take them off the wheels, remount them, and then go. So it turns into a ridiculous amount of money, and it's, in my opinion, even as expensive as those tires are, it doesn't, at that point, it doesn't make sense to do it because the potential of damaging the tire, damaging the wheel, even if you're using the latest, greatest tire machine like a Corgi or something where where nothing nothing touches the wheel, uh, you still got to be careful, and to spend that kind of time and effort, uh, you know, better off is just to try to drive somewhat reasonable and try to maximize the life out of your tires. That's that's really the best thing to do. 
Yeah, because I was thinking, you know, if you've got a larger tire on the rear, you can't put it on the front because the front one is smaller and you can't right. put that. That's what I was thinking. Right. Um, and, then, and, and then add yeah. into the point that the left tire, need the, the tire tread is directional. So now all of a sudden you have different tires front to rear and you have different tires left to right. So the only way you can ro- the only way you can rotate them side to side is you actually have to take them off the wheel and flip them over and remount them again. Doesn't make any sense at all. So yeah, yeah, absolutely not. Oh, well, along those lines, um, an alignment kind of a deal that goes kind of along with the idea of rotating the tires, and hopefully an alignment is is not a problem. Do you recommend an alignment once a I, year, I, six I, months? Uh, I I always used to I always used to, and it was kind of a it was sort of a joke, but it wasn't. I always used to say, get your wheels aligned after they fill the potholes in. But now they never <laughs> fill the potholes in. So uh, I, 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 still, I still think it's a good idea. And again, being aware of your vehicle is the best thing you can do. So if you're driving down the road, if you know your vehicle and you know that when you drive your car, it tracks a certain way and the steering wheel's always, you know, perfectly horizontal and all of a sudden you hit a bump or all of a sudden you feel something and the car tends to want to drift to the right or the left a little bit you look down at the steering wheel the steering wheels off centered a few degrees it's out of alignment and it needs to be repaired and it needs to be readjusted the problem is most people can't detect when the rear wheels get out of alignment so for me having a car aligned once a year is is even though it's a four wheel alignment runs anywhere now from eighty to a hundred and you know twenty or thirty dollars. I think it's money still well spent considering the cost of tires today. Back when you could buy a set of tires for fifty and sixty dollars and an alignment was thirty dollars or forty dollars, well it was still a little different story. But today's tires can be really really expensive. I mean you you can spend even the average you know, car or truck tire can be 200 or $250. So definitely you want to have the wheels aligned when you put a new set of tires on the car. And then, like I said, periodically, if the car just doesn't feel right, if you're, if you're not even hyper aware, but if you're aware of your vehicle and how it performs, um, then, you know, you, you know when it's out of alignment. You can tell. And that periodic inspection of your tires when you get out there every once in a while and you, you look the tires over and see if they're wearing evenly all across. And, and uh, you know, we always used to say take a penny and put it in the tread and kind of, you know, use your finger to measure the tread. You can Now we like to say take a quarter to you. you to use a quarter to to uh, measure the tread, and uh, if it doesn't come up to uh, you know, washing his head, it's time for new tires. But what's nice about using anything, whether it's a quarter or a nickel or a dime or whatever the case is, you know, find the deepest tread and kind of hold it with your finger and move across, and and you can tell. Well, oh, wait, this the coin isn't going in as far on the edges or whatever the case is. That's an indication. You run your hand across the tire, and if it feels like it has sharp edges on it instead of all being nice and smooth. That's an indication that the tires either towed in or towed out too much, which is going to cause wear. And if you look at the tires and it's worn on the edges, well, there there is an alignment problem at that point. So you, you need to check it out. You need to make sure it's in good shape. Okay. Well, that's great, John. I appreciate, you, you know, your information, and I always enjoy looking forward to your show, and I want to wish you and your family an enjoyable Memorial Day weekend. Thank well, you. Thank you. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. 
Our friends at In Control uh, Crash Prevention, they have, they have a new program. They're, they have a grant program. I don't know where this came from, but uh, I guess you would go to their website. But uh, there is a grant. So if you're, if you're uh, interested in having In Control work with your company, you can actually work with them and... Uh, they will come out and they'll they'll do a program with you through some sort of uh, grant thing. So I, I think the best thing to do would be uh, check out their website, the In Control uh, Driver Safety Grant, and it's it says here in their in the article I or the email I looked up it said uh, safety safety training grant. Uh, In Control is excited to work with you and employees to prevent grants. The twenty 19 2020 grant cycle went live uh, earlier in this month grants were approved on a first come first uh, first come first serve basis and it says uh, complete and submit your application uh, applications must be submitted by September 27th uh, and you can find out some more information about it it is through the office director of office safety department of industrial accidents those are some of the interested parties uh, but it's for the 2020 grant and uh, it can help uh, lower you know probably lower some of your risks at your business so it sounds it sounds like all good stuff uh, if you need assistance with the contractual documents uh, there's an email you can look at but uh, you can also find all of the above documents at uh, go to mass.gov slash news workplace safety and you can find out more information but I think if you went directly to in control and talked to Dan Strollo or one of his folks at in control I think you'd find the information you need and maybe you work for a business uh, maybe you own a business where you would want to try to make your employees as safe as possible um, that can be something that can be something that really that really works so uh, Volkswagen put out kind of an interesting press release the other day, and it said a commercial for the 2019 Volkswagen Jetta GLI brags about a security feature that few car thieves can defeat, and that's a manual transmission. Uh, the spot uh, pokes fun at how many Americans no longer know how to drive a stick shift by showing the Jetta GLI owner uh, he left his car parked on a street with the doors unlocked. Aren't you going to lock the car, his friend asks as he walks away? No, it's a stick shift. The driver says nonchalantly, the commercial ends with an on-screen text saying, the uh, Jetta GLI is for self-driving people, as opposed to someone who would prefer to turn over uh, the wheel to someone else. But uh, kind of kind of interesting. So uh, I thought that was thought that was a little bit a little bit funny in how that how that all went. Um, this is this is sort of scary in its own way auto industry rivalry rivalries are serious stuff perhaps none more so than the long standing battle between uh pickup truck brand chevrolet and ford still a virginia man clearly took his brand loyalty a little too far at a recent family dinner by the time the police showed up 56 year old mark turner had allegedly stabbed and shot his girlfriend and barricading himself inside his home the the allegation is that that there was an there was alcohol involved big surprise there uh, and why didn't it happen in Florida is what I really want to know. And um, it said the uh, 
The dispute began between the son of the girlfriend and Mr. Turner about which type of vehicle is best, Chevrolet versus Ford. Uh, Nance said Turner struck his girlfriend with a knife during the argument and shot her, and the adult son jumped in, and he got shot in the arm. And, you know, come on, people. They're just cars and trucks. You know, come on. Let's, let's, uh, let's take it easy. Uh, Mazda's got a couple of new things out. And it's sort of interesting. They're they're coming out with a straight six-cylinder engine, and they're also coming out with rear-wheel drive. So what's old is new again, apparently. Um, the introduction of a large architecture, so a bigger vehicle, signals a possible interest in rear-wheel drive. Mazda sells only one rear-wheel drive vehicle, the, the MX-5 Miata. Uh, so it's kind of interesting to, to see that uh, they look like they're going in that direction. Uh, coming up this week... Um, on Wednesday is the New England Motor Press, our annual awards dinner where we recognize the very best vehicles in New England that we've road tested over the past year. That's always that's always a good event, and uh, uh, it should be it should be great to talk about that next week. Next week, also, uh, we're going to be talking to a guy by the name of Joe Sapphire, and he is a uh, autonomous vehicle expert from Upper State New York. We're going to be talking to him, and uh, we might also talk a little about the MIT New England Motor Press event that I'll be going to. Well, my time is starting to wane a bit, but I bet our buddy Paul Sullivan is in the studio there just sort of hanging around. Is that true? I have nowhere else to go, so yeah, might as well yeah. be here. Yeah, exa- exactly. So uh, it is Memorial Day weekend, a three-day weekend for a lot of people. And it is. I, and I always like to try to remind people that, you know, as they're enjoying their hamburgers and hot dogs, take a minute to remember what Memorial Day is about. Well, it's funny because Dennis and I were, were just talking about that right now, and I think I said to him, uh, you know, Dennis, people will celebrate. It's it's a you know it's a weekend to remember, but it's also a weekend to uh, celebrate the memory of people because uh, the I, I might be talking out of the side of, but I don't think I am. But I think people that were dedicated to well, the only cause you would of freedom, know, only you would know. Only yeah, you would exactly. know. If you, yeah, <laughs> people who are dedicated to the cause of freedom to the extent that they would give their life. Uh, they loved normalcy. They they loved people being able to do what they would do on a on a long holiday weekend, celebrate and have fun, and and uh, that's that makes their sacrifice even more significant and important. I said, and now I will exit my soapbox. Thank you. <laughs> and uh, by the way, I was I was told how uh, I sent a I sent the uh, a link to the. Uh, radio program i think it was from two weeks ago about the earplugs where we didn't well not we i didn't know how to pronounce the name of the company and you actually called the company to get the, <laughs> the and the and the and the uh, pr person said you guys are geniuses and i said well it wasn't me that was the geniuses it was uh, paul sullivan that was the genius so i learned uh, that we you know who taught me that way back in the day the great uh, don latulip taught me that when uh, I was doing some intern work in his news department over at the old um, WROR. And uh, he said, if you don't know the name of something, uh, find their phone number in the phone book. Well, you can hear Don saying that, right? Yeah, I, absolutely. Phone yeah. And call yeah. them. And the receptionist will pronounce the name. And, and that's what I did. Yeah, no, no, you're absolutely, you're absolutely right, and uh, it was, uh, I do that, I, I have to interview a couple of people this Wednesday at this uh, conference that I'm running, and two of the names are, 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 are lacking a lot of vowels, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm like, oh, jeez, <laughs> so, so rather than look it up in the phone book and call the company they work for, I, I went on YouTube and found places where they introduced themselves, 
So yeah, I, I yeah. figure if they if they know how to pronounce their own name, I will. And I, I'll I'll tell a a, a quick story. Uh, there was a. Uh, a radio station that I was uh, I had to go into and it was interesting that I, I called up the radio station and um, the woman who answered the phone said the name of the station and she said Jennifer Speakin and I, and being from Boston I have left a G off here and there okay. and and every time I'd call she'd say hi this is such and such Jennifer Speakin and then when I finally went into the radio station her last name was Speakin <laughs> <laughs> yep. There you go. There you go. Yep. Hey, uh, but, you know, the a, thing about it is it's. I, I think most people would think it uh, very decent and warm if you didn't uh, recognize your last name or know how to say it. To Just ask them. How do you say yeah, your last name? Yeah, how do you say your last name? It's very exactly. respectful. Yeah. I, 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 I do because I'm an idiot. You know, that's, <laughs> uh, that's, that's, that's the only way I get through life is to ask people questions. So Hey, happy hey, Memorial Day weekend, JP. It, it same, same here. And uh, the very best in Irish music coming up with uh, Paul Sullivan and the Irish Hit Parade. In fact, it's a whole weekend of Irish music, so keep the radio right on AM 950 WROL, the spirit of Boston. Till next week, make sure you wear your seatbelts, drive safely, and be good to your car. Talk to you next week. Bye-bye.